Our Bible reading is 1 Corinthians 12, um, 1 to 13. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but, at, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So we, for we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Good morning, everyone. My name's Ashray. If anyone doesn't know me, I'm uh, one of the deacons. And uh, today is our final sermon in our series about the Holy Spirit. And today we're talking about spiritual gifts. So, as we go through this passage, maybe you have in the back of your mind a few questions. Like, what do you think is the defining feature of a spiritual gift? What spiritual gifts do you serve from and see others serve from in the church? And what spiritual gifts do you most value and how do you respond when you see them in the church? So, if if you have a Bible with you, Let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, which is the Apostle Paul's letter to the, Roman, uh, to the church in the Roman city of Corinth. And, uh, and we'll pray before we start. Dear Father, thank you for this passage that, of your word for us to learn from this morning. We pray that you'd open our hearts to receive the teaching of your spirit. And that you would let my words not only be human words, but words that you teach to us through the Spirit. Amen. So looking at this passage, it would be easy to maybe get caught up in the details of some of the gifts that are described. Uh, Maybe not for me, but I'm sure someone else could give a very good 30-minute seminar on speaking in tongues and all the all the details and how to get into it. But I think uh, that isn't really Paul's point here. And it's important to note that he's not really dealing with the specifics of the gifts themselves, but who they're from and what they're for. 
So in verses 1 and 2, we get some insight into the Corinthian church in that they used to be pagans and idol worshippers. And it's good if you have a look at the the few chapters before this, um, there's a lot of problems in the Corinthian church. There's, uh, there's divisions and factions in the church. That's a major problem. There's uh, boasting. There's sexual immorality. There's lawsuits and greed, idolatry, and the high priority on asserting individual rights rather than advancing the gospel of God. So it seems like there was a similar problem in relation to how they saw some of these spiritual gifts and that there were abuses and excesses that were driven by self-interest. And so we reach the first important teaching in this passage that Paul has for the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. And I'm reading from verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important that this is at the start of the passage because the work of the Holy Spirit isn't primarily about miracles, but about Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about miracles, but about Jesus. So, unlike the mute idols in verse 2, the Holy Spirit is alive and active and testifies to the Lordship of Christ. And the statement, Jesus is Lord, is not only like, like a password to check if someone is speaking uh, in the Holy Spirit compared to maybe a pagan spirit, but it's a deep expression of allegiance. Now, Jesus himself teaches in, in Matthew six twenty four that no one can serve two masters. So if Jesus is to be Lord in the heart, it means nothing else can be. And it's worth considering for a moment and reflecting not only in regards to spiritual gifts, but where do we apply our resources? What is it that we put our time and energy into? And who or what is Lord there? And this is difficult because I think it's hard to tell sometimes from the outside. And I, share, I shared in my reflection in Q News this week that one of the things I spend the most time and energy on is my work, and I'm sure that's true for, for a lot of us. But equally, you can look at the same thing from the outside, and you, still you need to ask, do I work long hours at work because I'm after human praise or because I'm after God's praise? Am I working in pursuit of money or fame or because I want to be obedient to the call of the Holy Spirit on my life. So it's the same with our spiritual gifts and the time and the money and the energy that we apply when we serve in church that we ought to reflect who is Lord there and to ask the Holy Spirit to testify in our words and in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. Because to say that Jesus is Lord means that I am not Lord obviously. I'm not the one with authority over my life, 
So the Holy Spirit produces in us a humble reverence for Jesus. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit are Jesus-oriented as well. And we'll see this in the coming verses, that the spiritual gifts are not to be exercised by each person for themselves, but by each person for Jesus and his church. Now, moving on to the next parts of the passage from verse 4, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit, the one Spirit, produces a variety of gifts. And Paul gives a list that illustrates that variety. I'll read from verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. And it's important to realize that this list is intentionally diverse and it's not exhaustive. It's not an instruction manual, but it's a big picture view of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to individuals in the church. And I think it's an especially interesting list because if you look at the order, some of the most dramatic and the outwardly supernatural gifts, like tongues, appear at the end of the list, while gifts like wisdom and knowledge and faith have priority in this list. So I don't think Paul's saying that these gifts are more or less valuable, but he's moving the emphasis away from, from where you might think that the emphasis is on, that it's not necessarily on the, the noisy or the dramatic gifts. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for the common good, is what he says. Now, Earlier in, in this letter, Paul describes the church as, as God's field and God's building. And if you have a think about it, that's really where all of these gifts are directed by the Holy Spirit. That we ourselves, in being part of the church, are the work that God is doing to build his church and to add to his church to grow his church into the likeness of Christ. So when Paul says that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, this is in verse 7, he's talking about the many ways that the Spirit is active in building up the church and how each of us is a vessel for a small part of that. I think this is one of the saddest parts because we see, we, we've mentioned some of the problems in the Corinthian church, and there are other problems in contemporary churches as well about spiritual gifts. I think one example might be there were in recent years mega churches where you have a leader, a, a charismatic leader, and they become cults of personality, 
and then maybe a human leader falls into arrogance and pride, and the whole gathered church collapses around them. And there are other churches where there are particular gifts that are used as a spiritual test of authenticity, that if you don't speak in tongues, you're maybe a lesser Christian. And I think it's important to realize that Paul is speaking against that view, that these spiritual gifts are not to be exercised by each person for themselves, but by each person for Jesus and his church, that the gifts of the Spirit are not primarily to build up ourselves, but to build up the church of God. Thirdly, there's an important consequence of the fact that there are many gifts and one spirit, which is another theme of this passage. And the fact is that there's no single person who has all of these gifts. Paul writes from verse 12 that, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So in the gifts of the spirit, we should also see that in the diversity of gifts, we are united in Christ and in the spirit, which means that each of us needs the whole church and each of us is needed by the church. Each of us needs the whole church, and each of us is needed by the church. So this means that if you're bestowed by the Spirit with resources and gifts, which you are, that we ought to be humbled because of what we lack as individuals. We should look to our brothers and sisters and give thanks for them and for the importance of the gifts that they offer up in service of the church of which we are a part. At the same time, if you're bestowed by the Spirit with resources and gifts, which you are, you're also needed. Because there are brothers and sisters around you who need you to serve out of your gifts for building up the church. And an example, you can look at the service today. I'm preaching the sermon, and Michael prayed, and Taylor's been service leading, Luke and Ange have been leading worship, and Stu's been doing the audio and data, and there's others who'll be encouraging after the service, there's others who've put together all the slides during the week, Michael came in early to turn on the heating, you have to look at, you can look at the whole service as an exhibition of different people's spiritual gifts at work in the body of Christ. And it's important to realize that not all of these gifts are up the front, but it's equally as important to be encouraging and praying for people after the service or encouraging and meeting up during the week as it is to be preaching on the Sunday. We are one body and we need each of our parts. We care for each other and we desire and pray for spiritual gifts not to advantage ourselves, 
but to serve the church and to proclaim from our hearts that Jesus is Lord. So to summarize then, the work of the Holy Spirit is not primarily about miracles, but about Jesus. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for the common good. And each of us needs the whole church, and each of us is needed by the church. So since this is our last sermon in our series on the Holy Spirit, I thought I would finish with a couple of encouragements and a promise from Jesus for us to take away with us. Firstly, take some time during the week to, encourage, to reflect on the gifts, the resources, the passions, the abilities, and the energy that God has given you. And remember that spiritual gifts are not defined by how dramatic they are, but by the fact that they are given by the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church in love. Reflect and give thanks for the variety of gifts around us in this congregation, because to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And the best part of when we serve the church from our gifts is that we know we're on the winning side. Not one of us is working in vain because God gives us the victory through Jesus. And we know that at the end of everything on earth, the church will prevail. And each of us will be made to be like Jesus forever. So as Paul says at the end of chapter 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So when you're serving out of your gifts, never feel like you're not going anywhere or like your contribution isn't important or like you're not achieving anything. Because you are. You're building into the church which is going to prevail. And if you're convinced that the Holy Spirit really is the life of God in us, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of power, the Spirit of truth and life, the Spirit of love, joy, and peace, the Spirit of prayer, the Spirit of mission, the Spirit of our adoption as sons and daughters of God, and the Spirit of gifts, then this is something which, in His grace, God makes available to us right now. Jesus promises and I'm reading from, from Luke chapter 11. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, Will, give, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How encouraging is it 
that Jesus himself promises that God, in his goodness as our Father, has promised to give us the Holy Spirit when we ask for it. Now, if we believe in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And if this is something that that you see the value of, if you want to place your trust in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit to be the life of God in you, then all you have to do is ask. If you want to see more of the Holy Spirit's life and work in you, then ask. If you want to experience the joy and peace of the Spirit, then ask. And if you want to be a channel for the Holy Spirit to build up the church through the gifts that he gives you, then please ask. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that in your grace you send the Spirit to encourage us, to empower us, to teach us about how good you are, to be your own peace and your joy and your life in us, to help us to participate in the work that you're doing in building up your church, to give us gifts in your name for the good of the church around us. We pray, Father, that as we conclude this series on the Spirit, that you would move in each of us a greater desire and longing for you, that we would seek after everything that your Holy Spirit has for us and in us, that this Holy Spirit as a guarantee of everything that you've promised to us in Jesus, that you'd help us to realize what a gift this is, help us to walk in step with the Spirit, help us to listen to the Holy Spirit, help us to be guided by the Holy Spirit and to have our allegiance determined by the Holy Spirit so we wouldn't be loyal to self-interest or to things in the world but that we would be loyal to Jesus and that this is what the Holy Spirit would produce in us, that every day we would grow more and more like Jesus and that we would love you more and more and that we would more and more pour out our lives and our resources and our time and our energy and our gifts to your service and to the service of the church that you built. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for that, Ashray. Let's, let's stand and sing or praise the name together.